Shalom, Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And <laughs> we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. Where the middle wall is separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. As I said last week, I'm teaching on the most important end-time teaching that God has ever given me because it's in preparation for the one new man. That's when Jew and Gentile become one in Messiah that will spark the greatest revival the world has ever seen. Now, when it comes to Jewish people, there are so many misconceptions among Christians. For instance, have you ever heard of something called replacement theology? That basically says that the Christian replaces the Jew because the Jew uh, failed to receive Jesus. So all the promises for the Jew go to the Christian, and all the curses go to the Jew. You can't know the Word of God and come up with that. Romans eleven twenty nine, as I pointed out last week, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. That is a strong word. And I don't see how you can read Romans 9, 10, and 11 and think the church has replaced Israel. Impossible. In fact, uh, here, let me let me do a little experiment. Instead of uh, saying Israel, which it clearly says, let's substitute the word church on just one verse, and I'll show you how ridiculous it is. Romans eleven twenty eight, concerning the gospel, the church is an enemy. Concerning the gospel, the church is an enemy. The, you know, I could keep on going, but you get the point. Uh, the second uh, misconception, it's uh, hard for me to believe, but many Christians believe the Jews killed Christ. Acts 4.27, just one of many scriptures. For truly against your servant Jesus, whom you anointed, now it tells you who killed Jesus, both Herod, ah, he's the one that did it. Pontius Pilate, oh, both of them did it, along with the Gentiles. Oh, it was Herod, Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles, and the people of Israel. Oh, the people of—wait a second. If you get the Gentiles and the people of Israel together, you got the whole world. Jesus wasn't killed by the Jews. Jesus wasn't even killed by the whole world. He laid down his life for the sins of the whole world. Third misconception, Jewish people know the Old Testament better than Christians. Says who? Most Jewish people, they know the same Sunday school stories most Christians know, but any Christian that's been a Christian a long time that's a real Christian knows the Bible much better, the Old Testament much better than most Jewish people. Fourth misconception, The Jewish people aren't interested in Jesus or spiritual things. Who says? Did you know that in the New Age, the majority of the leaders, guess what religion they are? Jewish. Guess what the majority religion of people in the New Age are? Jewish. 
Why? Romans 10.2, talking about the Jewish people. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. We have a built-in zeal, according to the Bible. We're the natural branch. It's so easy. But if Christians won't share the gospel with us, the devil is not ashamed of his gospel. And multitudes of Jews are being sucked into the New Age and the occult and, uh, and, and horrible things because Christians aren't willing to share the truth. Fifth misconception, Jewish people are under a curse and cannot be saved until after the rapture. Uh, not exactly. Yes, we Jewish people were under a curse for disobedience. You can read about it in Deuteronomy 28. But if you study the scriptures, curses end. When does this curse end? At something called the fullness of the Gentiles. And the Greek word for fullness could also be translated maturity. When Gentile Christians get mature, this is, uh, this is what's going to happen. Romans 11.25 tells you when that curse is going to be over. The curse or spiritual blindness, and it doesn't say curse or spiritual. I added that. But it says blindness in part has happened to Israel or the curse of spiritual blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles or the maturity of the Gentiles has come in. I believe the curse was lifted, called the fullness of the Gentiles in 1967. Why? Because Luke 21:24 tells us, and they, that's the Jewish people, will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. That's the curse. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles. That's still part of the curse. Until the times the Gentiles are fulfilled or the fullness of knowledge of the Gentiles involving the Jew in Israel come to fruition. Have you noticed lately? For the first time since Jesus made that prophecy, Jerusalem is in Jewish possession. What's going to happen when Jerusalem is in Jewish possession? That was 1967. Gentiles will start getting revelations of the Jew and Israel. And Romans 11 and 25 says when that occurs, when Jerusalem is in Jewish possession, the curse is over. And the spiritual blindness is over, and Jewish people will start coming to the Lord. How do I know that Jewish people started coming to the Lord? I'm the fruit of it. Many of my friends are the fruit of it. There was a major outpouring of God's Spirit when 1967, when Jerusalem was in Jewish possession. And that's why so many Jewish people are now believers in Jesus right now, but not enough. Why? If the curse is over, why are Jewish people still not coming to the Lord? Well, as I can look it over, there are three major reasons. One is we are a hurt and wounded people that have been estranged from our God for thousands of years, called soul wounds. And coupled with that, 
we've had what is called Christian anti-Semitism. Last week, I told you some of the church fathers on what they taught. So it takes three things to get rid of these Christian anti-Semitism, the soul wounds that we've incurred while we were under the curse, and the three things that are necessary for Jewish people to come to know the Messiah is, number one, not love, but the God kind of love. God loving the Jewish person through you to the fact where they almost tangibly can feel that love of God pouring throughout your heart right into them. The second is signs and wonders. Why signs and wonders? You can then earn the right to share the gospel when they see these miracles. And a lot of people, they're praying for signs and wonders right now. They don't know. It's to fulfill their calling. In Romans eleven eleven. salvation has come to the Gentile Christian to provoke the Jew to jealousy. The best way to reach a Jew is to have the love of God pour out of your heart into that Jewish person to heal those soul wounds and then let them see with their very eyes signs and wonders which God is ready to and willing to equip you with right now if you're willing to share Jesus with Jewish people. And then the third is a proper presentation of the gospel. Allowing a Jew, they are not going to stop being Jewish. And I'm not talking about rabbinic Judaism when I say Jewish. Jewish is, is something so much greater than rabbinic Judaism. Rabbinic Judaism was actually created after the temple was destroyed because you had only two choices, believe in Jesus or the rabbinic Judaism, which could not be followed because there was no temple, there was no animal sacrifice. So the rabbis had to create a new religion. It's not really called Judaism. It's it's called rabbinic Judaism. Well, I believe that as you present the gospel properly, after earning the right to present the gospel properly by demonstrating signs and wonders and having tenderized their heart from the thousands of years of persecution and being separated from the living God, it's not that God wasn't with our Jewish people. They wouldn't have survived if God wasn't with our Jewish people. It wasn't that God didn't love our Jewish people. He says in Isaiah, Jerusalem, I have engraved thee on the palms of my hand. I shall never forget you. But all of those soul wounds can only be healed by an outpouring of God's Spirit. So those three things, supernatural love, signs and wonders, and a proper presentation of the gospel, well, we're out of time today, but tomorrow I want to talk about the end time book in the Bible. Oh, some of you are saying Revelation. Wrong. It's the book of Esther. You'll understand tomorrow. But have you called me yet about Project 77? Someone's neck was just healed, by the way, in Jesus' name. Test it. You'll see you've been healed. Project 77 is you send me $77, and I will send seven of the best witnessing books created, I believe, by revelation from God to seven Jewish families in North America. I will send you their names. They won't know your name. I'll send you their names so you can pray for their salvation. 
And I'll also send you a copy of my book, They Thought for Themselves, the same book the Jewish people are getting. I find that when Gentile Christians read this for the first time, their faith is so solidified. See, they believe because their parents believe. Now they believe because the evidence is so overwhelming. I can't wait for a Jewish person that's never had a prayer for their salvation ever for you to pray for them by name and for them to get a book. So call our 800 number. And give us $77 and watch God show himself strong in your life. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. I believe Esther is a perfect type of a Gentile Christian. Why do I say this? Esther was an orphan. Do you know an orphan people that were grafted into royalty, became kings and queens in the, in the kingdom? Esther was beautiful. Do you know when God sees you, he doesn't see your blemishes. He sees Jesus. You are beautiful to God. Esther was young. Doesn't matter how old you are. Esther was beautiful and young, but Esther was smart. She soaked in oil and perfume for a year, preparing herself for intimacy with the king. And smart Esthers right now are soaking to anointed music and just saturating themselves with the presence of God so their smell is righteousness and Jesus and not the world anymore. Esther was a virgin. And do you know Esther? And I'm going to say Esther instead of church. And you know Esther? You could have been the worst prostitute in town. But if you have repented of your sins, he's just and faithful to not only forgive you of all unrighteousness, but say he has no remembrance of it anymore. That's what's so wonderful about the new covenant. Esther had favor. Church, you have favor with the king. Oh, by the way, Esther hid her Jewish heritage. No one knew she was grafted in to the olive tree church. You are grafted into the Jewish olive tree. No one knew her connection with the Jewish people, but that was okay. That was God's strategy for the moment. But then there came a time in which Esther, who was the only one that could go to the king on behalf of sparing the Jewish people, she made her identity known. And you know what Esther did? She equipped the Jewish people with the sword. You know what the sword represents? The word of God. And when she equipped the Jewish people with the word of God, they not only could defend themselves, but by going to the Jew first, it said many of the Gentiles became worshipers of God or Jews. And that's what the word Jew means, a praiser of God. So, you see, even the Jew first concept was in the book of Esther. But uh, Esther could have remained the queen 
uh, watched her favorite Christian television shows, listened to her favorite Christian radio shows, had more Bibles than she'll ever read in a lifetime. She could have grown fat and had a comfortable life. But shortly, all the Jewish people were going to be exterminated, murdered, butchered, raped, robbed. And Esther, who no one knew, had a Jewish heritage. It was hidden for such a time as this. This is what Mordecai said to Esther in Esther 4.14. Now, see, Esther thought she should get away with just taking up a collection and sending some clothes to Mordecai, the one that was responsible for her even being alive today. You know, salvation is from the Jew. And this was the message Mordecai shot back to Esther, to the church. For if you remain silent at this time, church, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. So the consequence for being on the wrong side of the Jew in Israel you and your father's house will perish. Haman found that out. His sons found that out. Those that were against the Jew found that out. But then Mordecai says to Esther, yet who knows, church, whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? If not now, when? This is the set time to share the gospel with the Jewish person that God himself has put in your path. And that's why we have set up for you the most wonderful program. It's totally God-inspired. It's called Project 77, in which you send us $77, and we have a mailing list of one million Jewish households and we will mail a book that God himself told me to create called They Thought for Themselves to Seven Jewish Families, not just an individual, to seven Jewish families. We've sent over a million of these books to Jewish people in the former Soviet Union. Now it's America's time. We're sending it to American Jews throughout North America. They've never been prayed for by name. They won't know your name. But we'll send you their seven names and your responsibility. I mean, the Messiah says, if you're the Messiahs, you're the same as Abraham's seed. Well, there's a little responsibility. You've got to pray for your family to know the Lord. And by the way, when, your fam- when you start sowing into Jewish evangelism, watch how God will cause your family to come to know to, uh, the Messiah. So I want you to call our 800 number. We'll give it to you at the end of the broadcast and give us $77 and let, there's just a short window of opportunity. And just as Mordecai said to Esther, Esther, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Zechariah 14.2 tells us where we are in history. God says, for I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. All means all. You see, as I've explained earlier, 
When Israel does wrong, God himself punishes Israel. But when the nations do wrong, then shortly the world is going to turn anti-God. You see it happening just so quickly. It's no longer the, the, the frog being boiled under a slow uh, boil, a low flame. I mean, it's the flame is up. The morality of the world is down the toilet. The love of God. We used to call America a Christian nation. Even our president said America is no longer a Christian nation. You see the handwriting on the wall. The only thing that will save us is revival. And the only way we can have revival is to follow God's plan. He's the potter, we're the clay. And God says, if you go to the Jew first, it will open up a supernatural door to reach Gentiles beyond anything you ever thought or imagined. Amos says, he describes the greatest revival the world has ever seen. Simus 9 says, there'll be so much fruit from the harvest, you won't be able to gather all of the fruit. When? When the tabernacle of David is restored. The word tabernacle means family, the Jewish people. When the Jewish people are restored to God, there's the short window of God's mercy. If you will reach out to the Jew first, I'm going to send you a copy when you become part of Project 77. I'm going to send you a copy of my book, They Thought for Themselves. You read it yourself, and then you give that book to the Jewish person that God himself is going to have cross your path and recognize that seven Jewish households that might never get a presentation of the gospel are going to get a presentation of the gospel because of you. And then you believe Genesis 12, 3 applies to you. If you will bless the Jewish people, God says in Genesis 12, 3, and there's lots of blessings you can bless us Jewish people with. You can bless us with humanitarian blessings. You can bless us with helping to get to, get to Israel. You can bless us by going to bless Israel rallies, and all three God will bless you for. But what is the greatest blessing you can give anyone? Salvation. And when you plant $77 into the salvation of Israel, you are stepping into the blessings of Genesis 12:3, which God himself says, I, God, will bless those who bless the Jewish people, and I, God, will curse those who curse them. And when you walk into that blessing, watch what God does in your family. Talk about sowing and reaping. The greatest thing you can sow into is souls. That's all you take to heaven with you. And when you sow into reaching Jewish people, it's if the favor of God, the Esther favor of God, just spreads over you and your house. And watch those prodigals in your own house, in your own family, start coming in one at a time. Well, my time is up today. Many, many years ago, I was a brand new Jewish believer, 30 years of age, uh, maybe 31, 32. Uh, and uh, there were a few of us that got together, Jewish believers, and we started one of the first Messianic Jewish synagogues in the United States. And uh, 
then after about a year, it was booming. We figured we needed someone that knew more than I knew. So we hired a Messianic Jewish rabbi by the name of Manny Brotman, and he did something that I had never seen before. He did all of his preaching from the Old Testament. But, you know, it sounded just like the New Testament to me because everything in the New is in the Old if you have eyes to see it. Now, my wife obviously attended this Messianic Jewish congregation, and she was raised Christian. But by the time she got to college, um, she became an agnostic because of the atheistic professors there. Uh, and, uh, you, and, and when we got married, she converted to Orthodox Judaism. Now, she had been told that Jesus was a way of salvation. She had gone to churches a little bit, but she never knew why Jesus was the way. She was just told he is the way to be saved. She believed because her parents believed, and that just doesn't spend. And that's why these atheistic professors were able to strip her of her belief. But a great miracle happened. As she went to services every week, she not only heard prophecies proving Jesus was the Messiah, but she needed something more. She had to know for sure that the Bible was from God. She had to understand these things that most Christians don't understand. And week after week, she got Bible prophecies. And as a result, she came to the point where she said, I must believe as she saw the prophecies about the Jew and Israel being fulfilled before our very eyes. And then the prophecies about the Messiah all in the Old Testament. I mean, look at it this way. The first Jewish people to become believers in the Messiah. They didn't even have a New Testament. They, they had all their apologetics just from the Old Testament. Now, when I got saved, uh, God immediately elevated me, and uh, I don't recommend it to anyone, and through the grace of God, I didn't fall. Uh, I had my face and, uh, uh, and an article about myself on, on the front page of a major newspaper in Washington, D.C., and uh, everyone was excited about it except my family, my Jewish family. <laughs> and my father was so ashamed of this. And uh, I had a, a rough relationship with him as a result of my belief in Jesus. I was not only a believer in Jesus, I was a very outspoken believer in Jesus. And one day, I felt I should asked my father, can I share why I believe Jesus is the Messiah? And he said, yes. Now, I have to tell you, my mother, who loved me, uh, didn't want to see me let down. And when I would say to my mother, dad's going to be saved, and my mother, by the way, was a believer, um, and when I'd say, Dad's going to be saved, she'd say, no, he can't. I mean, he's Orthodox Jew, born in Poland, very, very, very religious. That must have been his middle name. Um, there's no way he could be saved. But it was too late. Do you know why? I had said to so many people, every time I had a meeting, I said, pray for my father. I know he's going to be a believer. And I had said it so much, I actually believed it. And you know what? That's the definition of faith. Believe it before you see it. And I found by saying it enough, I actually believed it. So one day he let me share. I said, Dad, 
Do you know our own Tanakh? And by the way, Tanakh is the same as a Christian Old Testament. There's a few differences. The books are in a slightly different order. Um, There may be a few words translated differently, but 99.9% it's the same translation. Um, And the numbering system may be one verse uh, different than what you have, say, in, in a Christian Bible. And I said, Dad, and I, tur- I, I, I had a Tanakh with me, a Jewish Old Testament. I said, Dad, did you know that in the Torah, that's the first five books of the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, God says if we Jewish people followed Moses in the Torah, we'd be the most blessed people on the face of this earth. But if we did not, we would lose our country We would lose our way of having forgiveness of sin, our temple, and we would be scattered to the four corners of the earth. And worse than that, every country that we went to, we would be persecuted. And uh, and then I said to him, but Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 35 and 36, and I turned right to Jeremiah and I said, here, Dad, uh, let me read this to you says that despite not having our own country, not having our temple, not having our way of getting right with God by animal sacrifices, uh, despite being persecuted in whatever country we went, I mean, you know, after 100 years, 500 years, 1,000 years, 1,500 years, 2,000 years of this, you think that every Jew on the face of this earth would have assimilated um, or or, uh, would have... uh, at least hid the fact that they were Jewish. But God said, as long as there's a sun and moon and stars in Jeremiah 31, 35, there'll be a physical Jew on the face of this earth. But then God said a great miracle would happen in Isaiah 66, 8. It says a nation would be born in one day. And as Isaiah eleven twelve says, God's going to set up a banner for the nations. In other words, he's going to literally wave a banner, a big flag, and this is what he's going to announce. He's going to assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And did you know in one day, May 14th, 1948, a banner was raised, and the U.N. declared that Israel is a sovereign Jewish nation, and the great miracle banner, the whole world world took note of. But, of course, in the minute uh, Israel was declared a a Jewish nation, uh, we had major wars in Israel. Uh, and, you know, there was a tiny little Jewish population with hardly, I mean, their guns would be more dangerous to shoot it than to not shoot it. They had nothing to defend themselves with. And 20 Arab nations with a population of 140 million Arabs, did you get that? 20, at that time, 20 Arab nations with 140 million Arabs tried to wipe Israel off the face of the map. To me, the greatest proof there's a God is that there is a Jew today. To me, the greatest proof there is a God is that there is an Israel today. You can see why the devil is trying to stop Israel from being a nation. 
then the agricultural miracles that would take place when the Jews returned. Isaiah 35, 1 says, The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. (laughs) Did you know that Israel exports more roses to Europe than any other nation? And as a matter of fact, when the Jews got back, it was a totally barren desert. There was malaria. There were swamps. Uh, And today... Agriculture, produce. Israel's one of the leading exporters of these things. Uh, they are number three in the world for exporting cut flowers. Technology is off the charts in Israel. Then God says those waste cities that were ruins would be rebuilt. And Amos 9.14 says, I'll bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. Have you seen Tel Aviv? Have you seen Jerusalem? The Bible will come alive when you go there. And then it says after Israel becomes a nation, the Jews would return to Israel from the north. Well, guess what is north of Israel? The former Soviet Union. Guess what the biggest exodus of Jews has been to the land of Israel, exactly what Jeremiah prophesied. From the land of the north, the Jews would return to Israel. And if someone say, well, maybe these things were written, these prophecies were written after the fact. No, go to Israel, go to a museum called the, the Museum of the Book, and you'll see the Dead Sea Scrolls there. And the Dead Sea Scrolls prove that no one has tampered with the Bible. Well, on tomorrow's broadcast, I'm going to finish up with what I shared with my father and then show absolute proof that Jesus is the Messiah, but then show the better way, the way that works to reach Jewish people after you have all this information and you're able to explain it. But I want you to be part of our brand new mentoring clubs. I wish I had had this when I was a young Jewish believer. I wish I had had the best of the best teachers uh, and and evangelists uh, and and prophets and apostles. Uh, You should be in our studio every time we do a TV shoot right after we do a special teaching for our special mentoring club. And the anointing is so strong, the healings that occur. But I want you to participate in this. And then we're going to have a little workbook with questions and answers uh, so that you'll really digest this material. Every month we're going to send you the best of the best. I don't know that this has ever happened in history. But why is it happening now? Because the Messiah is getting ready to return. And he wants you to grow up and understand the supernatural God. So go to my webpage. You'll get information on it. It's it's my name, sidroth.org slash join. sidroth.org slash join, J-O-I-N. Or call our 800 number, 800-447-2697. Don't miss another month without being mentored in the supernatural. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447- 2697 1-800-447-2697 Just as we have all these predictions about the Israel and the Jewish people, we also have predictions about 
the Messiah. For instance, the animal sacrifices in the temple, we know these were shadows of the Messiah. Uh, And we would take an unblemished lamb and it would be sacrificed and his blood would cover over our sins. But Daniel says these sacrifices would stop when the temple was destroyed. Listen to this. Messiah, or some translations say the anointed one, shall be cut off, die, but not for himself. In other words, he's going to die, but not for himself. And the people of the prince, that was Titus and his Roman legions, uh, history now tells us, who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. That's exactly what happened. So the Messiah is going to die before the temple is destroyed. And this would inaugurate a new covenant. Jeremiah 31.31 says that God is going to live not in the temple, but inside of us, a brand new covenant. It's called the Brit Chadashah in Hebrew. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke. Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law, that's the Torah, in their minds, inside of them, you see, write it on their hearts, write in their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. So the first thing is, God's going to be inside of us, not in a building, but inside of us. The second thing is that God says that we will now know him, not just know about him, we'll know him. And then God says, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. So not only this is why it's called the new covenant, because it's a better covenant that God has with the Jewish people, that Gentiles, we find out later, are able to be grafted in. But God is not just covering our sins. It's better. They so disappear. God says, I'll remember them no more. So the question is, how do we know who this Messiah is? The problem is, Not what we've been told by the Orthodox rabbis, but what they've conveniently left out. And this is what they've left out. The ancient rabbis believed when they studied the scriptures without prejudice in two messiahs. One would usher in an age of peace. Isaiah 11, 9 talks about that. And they called him Messiah ben David. Uh, And we hear that when the Messiah comes, there'll be peace on earth. But what has been conveniently left out is what the ancient rabbis used to teach us and what the Jewish scriptures, the Tanakh, clearly teach us is the second Messiah they call Messiah Ben. Ben means son. Messiah, son of Joseph. And just as Joseph was rejected by his own Jewish brothers, just as Joseph was sold for pieces of silver, just as Joseph they thought was dead, and just as Joseph rose to royalty to save the Jewish people, they called him Messiah ben Joseph. You read Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, a perfect description of the Messiah. So 
rather than what the ancient rabbis said, two messiahs, what about the same messiah, but two appearances? Once to atone for sin and have God live inside of us, and when he returns, after we've had a chance to have a lot of Jewish people and Gentiles come under this new covenant, when God returns, then we will have true shalom, true peace on earth. Now, Moses said, since we Jewish people didn't follow him and everything that God said to do, I mean, you look at how many times Moses got upset with us. Moses said God would raise up another Jew like him, but he would be better. Why would he be better? God would do with this Jew what he wants to do under the new covenant with all Jews, and that is put his words inside of him. And the reason he'd be greater than Moses is God says, I will require you to follow him. You will not have an option, this one greater than Moses. Who could that be? That could only be Messiah ben Joseph, Messiah ben David, who happens to be really one Messiah, and that's Messiah Yeshua, Messiah Jesus. Now, let me read that to you. That's so important. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 17 and 18. And the Lord said to me, what they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, like Moses, from among their brethren. That means a Jew. I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, this is God speaking, I, God, will require it of him. So how do we know who this Messiah is that we absolutely, Jewish people, must follow so that we can be under the Brit Hadashah, the new covenant, so that God can be inside of us because there is no temple today. Well, first we know he'd be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, and by the way, it was Bethlehem of Judea. Do you know how many Bethlehems there were at the time that Jesus was born? Five. He just happened to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Also, our Messiah would be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now this is something that will be unusual. It won't be like uh, a normal husband and wife having a child. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel just happens to mean? God is with us. God is with us. Now, some translations don't say virgin. They say young woman. But we know as a fact at that time it meant exclusively virgin. How do we know this as a fact? Because 200 years before Jesus came to earth, there was a translation of the Hebrew scriptures into Greek, which is called the Septuagint. And we Jewish people got the 70 top rabbinic language scholars in the world to do this project, and they came up 
on this particular verse, Isaiah 7, 14, with a Greek word called parthenos, which means exclusively a virgin. So there will be a and as I said, there'd be no miracle sign if a young woman had a child. It happens all the time. But there would be this miracle sign, a virgin shall conceive. And not only that, we're going to call this child Emmanuel. God is with us. He'd be from the ancestry of King David. Isaiah 11.10 tells us that. And as a matter of fact, Isaiah 11.10 says not only would he be a root of Jesse, that's David's father, but the Gentiles would follow him. Who do you know that the Gentiles followed as the Messiah? Of course. I mean, it's so obvious. But listen, you know, there are over 300 specific predictions like this. Now, you can read something into something on one or two or 10 or 20 or uh, no, you can't read it into 100. But 300? Give me a break. It takes more faith to not believe Jesus is the Messiah than to believe he's the Messiah. Listen to this. It says that the Messiah would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Guess how much he was betrayed for? 30 pieces of silver. And the money would be thrown into the temple, uh, in, according to Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12 to 13. In, it says, listen to this. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. He just happened to be buried at a place called the potter's field. <laughs> I mean, how much more specific can you get? Well, we're out of time right now, but I have to tell you, the best way to reach Jewish people, you need to know these facts, but to, in order to have the privilege of sharing these facts with an open heart with Jewish people, you've got to walk in the supernatural. And when you walk in the supernatural, number one, with what's coming on the like great planet Earth, only those walking in the supernatural survive. Uh, you think you're going to so survive because you've stored some food and, and some water and some silver and some gold? No, you're going to survive because you know your authority. You know who is your God. You hear his voice. Among other things, Daniel 9.26 says the Messiah would come before the second temple was destroyed. The, the temple was destroyed in the year 70 AD. So whoever the Messiah was had to come before 70 AD. And then the most graphic description that anyone could ever have of the Messiah of Israel is Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, written over 700 years before Jesus was born of a virgin. And this is, let me read a little of it from the Jewish scriptures. Who has believed our report? This is Isaiah, the prophet speaking. So he says, who's going to believe the report of the prophets? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And Isaiah 59, 16 tells us who the arm of the Lord is. It says, God saw there was no man and wondered there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. And by the way, the root of the word salvation, Yeshua, Jesus, his own arm brought Jesus. So who's believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. 
I believe it's talking, alluding to his virgin birth. He'll have no form or comeliness, and when we Jewish people see him, there'll be no beauty that we should even desire him. He'll be despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we Jewish people hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he's borne our griefs. And in the Hebrew Bible, it actually translates the word griefs because this is uh, the meaning of the Hebrew word diseases. Surely he has borne our diseases and carried our sorrows. Again, in the Hebrew, it's pains. He has carried our pains. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement or the punishment for our peace. It was on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. You get that? We are healed emotionally, physically, and spiritually. The chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Uh, Some people say, well, that's talking about Israel or the Jewish people, not the Messiah. Oh, give me a break. Uh, We Jewish people have enough sins of our own. We don't need the sins the whole world put upon us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Again, some people think it's talking about the Jewish people. We've been accused of a lot of things. We've never been accused of being silent, by the way. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And you know, when he appeared before Pontius Pilate, He did not defend himself. Well, I don't have the time to read that, but by the time I finished that with my Orthodox Jewish father, he had one of two choices. He either had to say, okay, enough, that is Jesus, or he had to say what he said. And he said, you know, if the rabbi himself gave you that Tanakh, those Jewish scriptures, and I showed him it was endorsed uh, by the rabbi to me, then... You know, I always thought there was something wrong with that rabbi. Imagine giving you a time. Look at at the extremes our people go to to not believe the simple facts of the living God. But, and there's a big but, God won my Orthodox Jewish father. Let me tell you, if you think you have someone that's difficult to reach— I'll put my father against anyone on the face of this earth. I mean, with the background he had and as religious as he was, if my father can be saved, anyone's father can be saved. And I remember saying, Dad, this is what Daniel, the 12th chapter, verse 1 to 3 says. There'll come a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. And by the way, That's what I see happening right now. Daniel was talking about what's happening right now. And at that time, your people, that's the Jewish people, shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. Evidently, there is a book of life, and your name must be written in the book. And many of those that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. That's a long time, everlasting. Others to everlasting life contempt 
or condemnation. Only those written in the book of life, Dad, rise to everlasting life. Now, we know that the book of Corinthians tells us that the Jew requires a sign. So, my father was dying. I got a call, and my sister got a call. My father was dying. We went to the hospital. By that point, my mom had become a believer, and she went on to be with heaven in heaven. And we went into intensive care. But the week before we went into intensive care, and this is what I want you to hear, whereas it was impossible for my father to be a believer in Jesus. He just just threw away all these prophecies that are so conclusive in my mind, just flicked them away. I had the presence of God come on me seven days before my father became a believer. 24 hours a day. I didn't even understand it, but I was so loaded with the Holy Spirit that when I went into intensive care ward in the hospital, that Spirit of God just, and someone's being healed right now. Someone's neck and hip is being healed in Yeshua's name. That's Hebrew for Jesus. When I went in there, my father didn't stand a chance because every objection he had was melted under the glory of God. I love the glory of God. And I heard my father say, I believe Jesus is my Messiah and Lord. And if it hadn't been for the glory of God, if it hadn't been for my belief that my father would be saved despite what I saw with my eyes, my father would not be in heaven right now. But he received the Lord, and then he died. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 and 2 describes this glory that is coming upon us. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. I believe that we're coming into those times of glory. But it, let, me, let me share a few very, very specific ways of reaching Jewish people with the gospel. Obviously, it goes without saying, you've got to walk in the God kind of love, not natural love. I mean, if you saw some of the Jewish people I, I, I witnessed to that cursed me, and you know what? I see beyond the curses, and I see that they are going to be modern-day Paul the Apostles. You can only do that when you're walking the God kind of love. Then the second thing is you demonstrate the kingdom by signs and wonders, walking in the glory. And the third way, you can do this. Share your testimony. Share how God restored your marriage. Share how God restored your life, your mind. Share how God had a miracle in your life or a member of your families. And if you haven't seen a miracle, just watch It's Supernatural or listen to Messianic Vision, (laughs) and you'll see miracles all the time. And speaking of miracles, you must be mentored in our new Supernatural Mentoring course because 
there are so many people that are just literally they're getting healed when they take the course themselves. But then it just bounces on them. The best teachers in the world are teaching this a class in miracles and walking in the supernatural and hearing God's voice. Uh, to my knowledge, there's never, ever been anything quite like this before. Uh, I wish you were at our studio when I, we do our TV shows. Then afterwards, we do our special with our guest, our special mentoring DVDs. Uh, the anointing is so high. We have over 5,000 people that have enrolled. But I want you to call me immediately and enroll. Don't take another month without getting this course. Call 800-447-2697 or why don't you go right on the web and you'll find out more information on it. Go, it's my name, Sid Roth, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot org, O-R-G, slash join, J-O-I-N, SidRoth.org slash join. I want you to know that God loves you, accepts you, and lives inside of you, whether you're Jewish or Gentile. If you do not know God before you die, you will not know God after you die. You know, Isaiah 58, 1 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, tell my people their transgressions, tell them their sins. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever had sex outside of marriage? Have you ever participated in homosexuality? Have you ever dabbled in the New Age or the occult? fortune-telling, witchcraft? Have you ever had an addiction from drugs, alcohol? You've got to repent. Repent means you believe the blood of Jesus washes away your sins and God remembers them no more and gives you the power to overcome. Say this prayer with me. Say it out loud and mean it. That's all God's asking. Dear God, come on, out loud. Dear God, I'm a sinner. Against you and you alone have I sinned, and I'm so sorry. I believe the blood of Jesus washes away my sins, and I am clean. And now that I am clean, I ask Jesus to live inside of me and take over my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Amen. If you said it and you meant it, God means it. He says if you confess your sins, he's just and faithful to forgive you of all unrighteousness. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, 
send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.